Well, I am really excited to begin this new study with you, this new series. As I've mentioned, it's all about prayer. What it is, how it works, what you can expect from it. We're going to be answering those questions and more, not all today, but over the course of the next six weeks. And we're going to grow in our understanding of prayer by taking a look at a model prayer that has been handed down to us over the last 2,000 years. It's come to be known as the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer at more than one occasion in his ministry. One of the times is right after Jesus' disciples asked him, Lord, we see you pray a lot. We see how you do it. Could you teach us to pray? And that's exactly what Jesus did as he gave us this model prayer. Now, before we get into scripture today, as we sort of get the wheels turning in our hearts and in our minds, I have a question for you to consider, to to think about. It's this question. How would you rate your personal prayer life? Like if, if you gave it a number on the scale of one to 10, where one is my prayer life is non-existent and 10 is, you know, all of your friends and uh, family members consider you the MVP, the most valuable prayer. Uh, Where would you be on that scale? And if you're willing online, you can put a number in the chat box of how you might rate your prayer life. If you're here in person, I'm going to give you a second. Why don't you share your number with someone sitting next to you if you're willing to do that? How would you rate your personal prayer life? Now, maybe some of you are in that range of six to 10. I'm guessing many of us would say that we're somewhere in between one to five. And it's an interesting thing about prayer. If you talk to people who have followed Jesus, uh, been a Christian all their life, we all know that prayer is important. None of us are surprised that prayer is an important thing. And yet, for whatever reason, it seems like many of us are not confident or don't feel like our prayer life is very good, that we have questions about it, we don't do it as as much as maybe we feel would be good. And there's probably a a lot of different reasons for that. I'm going to call out a few of them. Maybe it's that we feel distracted. What I mean by that is there's a lot to do. There's only so many hours in a day to do it. And when it comes to prioritizing time for prayer, whether it's be because we've been distracted about around the things around us or whether we just haven't fitted into our schedules, being distracted is a reason sometimes why our prayer life isn't where it could be. Another one might be that we've, we're confused about prayer. Like, what should I say? What words should I use? And you know, I think, that prayer is just talking to God. There doesn't have to be any specific language or flowery godish words. But besides praying before I eat, praying at church, and praying when I really need my grandmama to be healed, 
When do I pray? How do I do it? I kind of run out of things to pray about. I'm, I'm a little bit confused about prayer. And another one, I think, and this is the, the hardest one, it's the one that I think there's the most questions around, is that some of us have become disappointed with prayer. See, somewhere along the line, you were pointed to a passage in the Bible that says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That means that prayer works. And yet, you think back to your life, and there's been seasons of your life where you prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for him to be healed, and he wasn't. For you to get the job or into the school you really wanted to get into, and you didn't. For you to find a spouse to have children, for your team to win, or for just it to not rain on your vacation. And yet, exactly what you prayed for did not happen. And we begin to wonder, does prayer even work? Is it just a waste of time? <laughs> I'm a pastor, and I've felt all of these things at one time or another. And, and that's why I'm so excited about this series. Because if you're anything like me, you've had questions about prayer. If you're anything like me, when you look at your life, you'd admit prayer should be a bigger part of it. And so as we get going here today, our first fill-in kind of sets the tone for why prayer is important. And it's not because, and we're going to find this out today, it's not just because we get stuff from it. In fact, that's not even the most important part of prayer. I'm going to say it this way. Number one, fill-in on your sheets, that a healthy prayer life is a vital part of a healthy faith life. A healthy prayer life is going to be a crucial part of a healthy faith life. And I think this makes more sense when I remind you of how we often talk about faith here at North Cross and how it's described in the Bible, that faith is a relationship. And so a healthy prayer life with God is a vital part of a healthy relationship with God. And you know, the disciples, as they watched Jesus pray, prayer wasn't new to them. These young men grew up as Jews, and prayer was a big part of Jewish life. In fact, they were asked most likely to memorize a number of different Hebrew prayers and encouraged to speak them and to pray them every day. But then... When they saw Jesus pray, when they saw him after a busy day go to the mountain and spend the entire day with his heavenly father, when they observed him later in his ministry towards the very end of his life spend all night wrestling with God in prayer hours before he would die for the world, 
what they saw in Jesus was not a man, a God man, who just kind of checked the box of a memorized prayer that, that he's supposed to say. What they saw was something different. What they saw was someone who made prayer a lifestyle, who made prayer something that was a vital part of his relationship with his heavenly father. And when they saw that, they're like, Lord, teach us to pray. Not like we were taught growing up. Teach us to pray like you pray. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He taught them 2,000 years ago. He teaches us today. We're gonna go to Matthew chapter six. This is one of the places where Jesus taught about prayer. Uh, the fuller context is Jesus, uh, we call it his Sermon on the Mount, where he taught a lot about how to live uh, for the Lord, a lot about the Christian life. And here's what he says, starting in verse five. And when you pray, I highlighted those words because it's the theme of our series. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, so he starts with what not to do in prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So Jesus points out a group of people by the fact that it says standing in the synagogues, most likely these were the church leaders of the day who used prayer to make themselves look good. And in essence, do you know who they made prayer all about? They made it about themselves. They made prayer all about themselves and how they looked and what, you know, how, well, how sanctified they were and Jesus says, they received their reward. They've received their reward in full. You know what their reward was? Skip ahead of that slide. Do you know what their reward was? Their reward was that they were seen by others. Their reward, as they made prayer all about themselves, was that they were seen by other people. And that's it. It wasn't a reward from God. They got what they wanted to be put on some imaginary pedestal as sanctified people. Now, as I thought about that, and I thought about their problem with making prayer all about themselves, I thought, you know what? First of all, the exact example is something I don't ever experience today, 2,000 years later, with people who follow the Lord. And kind of humorously, here's what I mean. Pastors are always a needed commodity at weddings and other big family gatherings, graduations. You know why? Because no other Christian, it seems, in the world can pray publicly. And so pastors are always, you know, needed because we're the only ones that can pray publicly. I feel in many ways like we've so reversed this from what we read in verse five that we need to grow in the other way. It's okay for you to pray, dads. You can pray at the graduation. Now, the pastors are okay with it. 
I don't know that our prayers are any better than yours, dads or moms or whoever it might be, but I don't think our problem is that we're going to stand up in front of people and make the prayer all about ourselves. And yet at the root of it, at the root of the problem, I still think it applies that we have this tendency to make our prayers, our mindset all about ourselves. We're also guilty of making prayer all about ourselves. Here's how we do it. The things we pray about the most, I'll call them the give me, help me, bless me prayers. We make prayer almost exclusively, sometimes, a conduit for, well, basically getting stuff from God. And we treat him, and we've talked about this before, we treat him kind of like a vending machine. If you put the right prayer into the vending machine, press A3, you want to get out from God exactly what you're asking for. Or maybe a cosmic ATM of some sort. You put something in, then you're supposed to expect something from God. And does God want us to share those give me, help me, bless me prayers? Absolutely. Don't come away from this thinking, well, I can't ask for things for God in prayer. You absolutely can. It's not my point. My point is that when that becomes the whole part of our prayer life, we're, we're missing something. That we've made prayer purely a conduit to shake things out of God that we feel like we need. Now, listen to the difference as Jesus continues in verse six. But again, when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Jesus says that when we pray, we should plan for it. We should go into a room. We should find a place that's quiet and, and we should speak to our heavenly father. But I, I thought we could pray anywhere and everywhere. You can. You can make your prayer life always while you're driving 75 miles per hour down the street, down the road with the kids screaming in the back. That can be the full sum of your prayer life, I guess. You can make your prayers only those few seconds while the test is being handed out and you didn't study enough. Dear Lord, please help me, save me, bless me. <laughs> you can make your, your prayer life those few seconds before you walk into the room for this big presentation at work or for an interview. You can pray those prayers. But what Jesus is teaching is if you want to pray like he did, we don't make it just in the spur of the moment thing exclusively, but instead it's something Jesus planned for. He was intentional with, he longed for it. It's what recharged him. So number two is a little bit of an application today as we look at that verse. Be intentional with prayer. Find a place. Find a, a time every day. Now, if this still is a little bit fuzzy for you as the difference, um, let me explain it this way by talking for a moment uh, through the lens of marriage, okay? 
So if, if you're married, you've probably discovered what I have, especially when the kids are little. But frankly, I'm sure it's gonna continue when the kids are older because life just gets busy all the time. And that is that if we only allow conversation between husband and wife to happen accidentally, do you know what we end up talking about exclusively? The schedule, the budget, who's picking up who, where, and when. And if we're only talking about those things that come in that unintentional conversation, even though we're talking, we're not really growing the relationship. We're just logistically getting through the day. In fact, as Carrie and I have a privilege of leading a marriage coaching ministry, one of the habits that we really like to see husbands and wives have in their day or at least at some point during their week is a day or time on the calendar every week where they're intentional with conversation that doesn't have to do about the schedule but has to do with the relationship. How can I be a better husband to you this week? What can I do for you to, to bless you this week or on this day? And a bunch of different questions like that. But that only happens, that type of intentional conversation, which you would all agree is a vital part of an important relationship. If it's gonna grow, it only happens most of the time when you plan for it, when you schedule it. And, and that's what Jesus is teaching about prayer. That's what Jesus is teaching about our opportunity to be with God. That you can pray anytime and anywhere, but if you want to pray like Jesus prayed, then we need to be intentional. Find a place. Find a time. Look forward to this time that we get to speak to the Lord and hear him speak to us through the word as devotions and prayer go hand in hand so often. Next verse, he continues. When you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who's unseen. We read that already. Then, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Ah, so that's the cosmic vending machine answer. So if I just go into a room and close, I've been doing it wrong. If I want to get stuff from God, I just need to close the door and, and go into a room and now he'll give me what I want. No, it's not that reward. Do you know what the reward is that Jesus is talking about? It's not that you get everything you want from God and he really now is going to bend to your will. We're going to talk about that later in this series, your will versus his will. You know what the reward is? It's bigger than getting what you want from him. It's simply that God blesses your relationship with him. People who have a strong prayer life, I have found coupled with a devotion life, have a calm about them that comes from that relationship with God. They have a peace about them. They have a confidence about them. Because as they go through their day, they're recognizing, I'm not going alone. 
They're being intentional with understanding. I have a relationship with God. I spent time in prayer with him. He walks with me even when maybe I don't get everything I want. I trust him. Verse seven. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. This is kind of convicting to me. Uh, if you're anything like me, um, there's been a time or two where I've prayed the Lord's Prayer at church, a bunch of words, and frankly, it's kind of been babbling because I've been thinking about what do I need to say next or what comes next in the service. Maybe you're thinking about lunch. I don't know what you're thinking about, but it's good to remember that a prayer includes, of course, the mind and the heart. Don't be like the babblers, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then, verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This can be prayed exactly as is. What we're going to see over the next six weeks as we break it down part by part is that it also allows us to have kind of a, a model, not just exact words, but the different things that God directs us, Jesus directs us to pray for and about. So as a model prayer as well. Today, we're gonna focus in on just the, the first words and a little bit of time I have left. Our Father in heaven. That's how Jesus decides as he's teaching the disciples to pray how to address his, their prayers. The first word there, our, I don't know how much I've thought about the hour when I pray our father, but it's interesting. I want you to think about this. Jesus didn't say, start out this way, my father. He said, I want you to think about the bigger picture. The, he is our father. That yes, he personally loves you, but as he works in our lives, it's good to remember that he's a father over a whole big family, that as he hears my prayers and my requests and the things that I'm hoping for and, and the things that I want to talk about, that we are reminded through the hour, Father, that we are part of a bigger family. And I think this is helpful because think about it, dads. When we, let's say, parent our children, we can't just parent one child without thinking of the others. That as we parent one, we have to think about the all. You know, it's interesting. As God answers prayers, he's getting lots of them from lots of his children. And so as the farmers pray for rain, the same people, or not the same people, but other people are praying the exact opposite prayer as they go on vacation, not wanting any rain. As the people on the other side of our eastern border 
pray for their football team to win. And I don't know, why do we pray for football? I don't think God cares about that. I know that might sound a little sacrilegious that God doesn't care about football. But as, as the, our, our Eastern neighbors pray for their team, we here in Minnesota are praying for the other one. So what's God to do? <laughs> and I could give you example after example of this. It's good to remember that the father is our father. And he's got a big family that he's taken care of. And we're a part of a much bigger family. And then that second word, as you come to pray, Jesus teaches us that the right frame of reference for who God is to you is dad. He doesn't say our king, although God is our king. He doesn't say our creator, although God is our powerful creator. He doesn't say, here's how I want you to pray, our judge who's gonna come on the last day, although God is our judge. He says, when you pray, I want you to have the mindset of God being your dad. Our Father. Number three, fill in. Pray in the same way that a loved child would approach a loving father. Is that how your dad is all the time? I know I'm not. My kids probably think first, okay, is this a good time to ask dad for something? Because <laughs> I think it's a, a loved child approaching a crabby father, a stressed father. But our perfect heavenly father, we can always come with the mindset that dad's like, hey, jump up here. Sit on my lap. I want to listen to you. I love you. We have the mindset of a loved child approaching a loving father. And you know, this can be a hard mindset to have depending on how you grew up. I know for me, I was super blessed. I don't have a perfect dad, but I have an awesome one. For some of you, maybe your relationship with your earthly dad was non-existent, or worse than that, it was horrible. <laughs> and, and fathers in the room and online, do you know that there is an extra responsibility for us not to be overwhelmed by, but to aspire to, that because our children call us dad, that in a way, our relationship with them influences how they view their heavenly dad for better or for worse. And again, not to put stress on you, but to inspire you to recognize, again, the wonderful and important role that we have. And frankly, as I look out over our country, I think more and more fathers are abdicating that responsibility and are not leading the way that they should. We have this awesome opportunity, dads. Again, not to be perfect, but to reflect in small ways the love of a God who's always like, here, come on, sit on my lap. 
I want to listen to you. I may not always agree with you. That's different. But I want to listen. Let's say it this way. When you think of God the Father, he is not, God is not the reflection of your earthly father because as good as your dad was, he was not perfect. He's the perfection of your earthly father. God is not the reflection of your earthly father. He is the perfection. He's what dads should have been all along if they could have been perfect. How in all the world do I have the ability to call the God who I disappoint every single day in one way or another? How can I be so sure that he wants me to sit on his lap, that he is a loving father? How can I be so sure? Let me tell you this. It's not because of anything we have done. And as we think about our dad, and the confidence to be able to approach him, no matter what you might have in your past, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you might have in your present, I think it's good for us to reflect on these words that one of Jesus' disciples, John, wrote. He wrote, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. The love part, the love of the Father is seen not just in the fact that he walks with us and wants to listen to us. The love of the Father ultimately is seen in the fact that he sent his son to make you, to make me his child. That as we celebrate every single week here at North Cross, that our simple goal, again, is to lead people to Jesus because it's through Jesus that we find our identity, and it's through Jesus. That's why we often close our prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. It is through Jesus that we have access to a loving dad because of his forgiveness won for us on the cross allows us to be confident as we come to the lap of our heavenly father. And as we continue in this series over the next six weeks, I want you to know how important this title is. And in fact, I'll say it this way, that the longer we stay here in the mindset of God being a loving father to us, who will always give us not what we want, but what we need, the longer we stay in mind, that mindset, the healthier our prayer life will be, the less disappointed we will be with how he answers the less, well, regular we will be in treating God like a cosmic vending machine, but instead as a relationship. The longer we stay in this mindset of God being our father, the healthier our prayer life will be. Because who wouldn't want to talk to their loving dad? And that's what we get to do every time we pray. So God being our dad means a couple things. Our fourth fill-in, First of all, that you can approach him. Remember, not crabby dad, not stressed out dad, not tired dad. He is our loving father. No matter what time of day, no matter what's on our minds, when you're driving 75 miles per hour with kids screaming in the back, you can approach him. <laughs> Just don't make that the only time. Before the test, you can... You can approach him with anything and with everything. One of the things I've found as a dad is that I want to know 
more about what's going on in my kid's life than they want to share with me, especially as teenagers. How you doing? Fine. How was your day? Good. And I'm like, oh my, can you give me a little more? (laughs) You can approach your heavenly father. He wants to listen to you. He wants to hear you. And then number two, you can trust him. The the more you have a relationship with a good dad, you may not always agree with him, but you trust that he's got your best interests in mind. I want you to trust God in whatever it is you're praying about. He knows you. He loves you. He calls you his child. You can trust him. So your simple application this week, because we're going to continue to build on this, it's very simple. Find a time to pray, make it at least once a day. Like that, it rhymes, huh? Find a time to pray, make it at least once a day. Don't relegate time with dad to the moments where you need a give me, help me, bless me time. Find a time. And and maybe to start, it's going to be 30 seconds. I don't know. Maybe it's five minutes. But find a time to pray at least once a day. And this week, again, we're going to build. This week, I just want you to reflect on specific things you're thankful for in God being your dad. I want you to think about a perfect earthly father and the things they provide and the way that they would interact with you. And I want you to see in your prayer life, I want you to talk to him about ways over your life that you have seen your heavenly father act as that perfect father. Seven days of praying our father and reflecting on what that means. And then come back next week as we'll continue to build as we go through this really important model prayer that Jesus gave to us. Should we pray? Our Father. Lord, I I can't imagine all the different prayer requests you get every day. You are the father of a big family that I'm a part of. And Lord, as I think about all the prayers you receive, lead me to trust you that you know what's best, not just for me, but for the entire family and that you will act in that way in my life and in the lives of those who are part of that family. Our Father, Abba, Dad, thank you for becoming approachable. (laughs) That it's not just uh, that you're willing to hear us, but that you want to. Help me to take advantage of this opportunity every single day. Help me, Lord, even if it's still a little bit of fuzzy in my mind and my heart, help us to just recognize that a daily time with you as we speak and as you speak to us through the word, that it's gonna be a blessing, that there's a reward in that, not that we get from you what we want, but instead that our relationship with you grows. Lord, I ask you to be with all who, is here, all who are hearing this and guide us to grow in our understanding and in our desire to pray. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.